Hello and welcome to the Lakerside Chats. I'm your host as always, Alan Ramich, bringing you two guests on our post-deadline show, which is fun for me because I get to talk about the NBA in general and not just the Lakers. Guest number one, he is Unwritten Rules. I don't need to give you any other introduction, Raj. <laughs> my friend, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. The Lakers uh, stood pat here, so uh, we're we're also standing pat. So uh, we're, we're ready for <laughs> ready for uh, a game tonight. Oh yeah, we're playing in like an hour. Yeah, I, I completely forgot. And my other guest today, he is my co-host on Blipton, our MCU podcast. He was on last week with Ricky and Nas, and and that whole um, troublesome podcast with Nas throwing accusations everyone's way. Kwame. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Good to be back. Uh, quite the the deadline we had today, man. All types of trades flying, a couple robberies that were had, a few GMs <laughs> held up at gunpoint. But, I mean, the, the deadline's over. It's buyout season. So, you know, moves aren't done being made. I'm excited to, you know, talk about what, what, what went down today, though. Definitely, definitely. Because obviously the Lakers stood pat, but they were obviously active, but they just couldn't get a deal done for Carl Lowry. I want to touch on that before we touch on the other moves that we liked and didn't like at this point. Um, I, for one, really wanted Kyle Lowry. I think both of you know that I really wanted Kyle Lowry to come to LA. I didn't mm-hmm. make that. Um, I, I couldn't have made that clearer. However, I did not want to give up Taylor Horton Tucker for Kyle Lowry, and I'm glad the Lakers did not want to do that also. Um, I'll throw it to you first, Raj. Um, What did you make when you saw initially that we were in for Kyle Lowry legitimately? And are you happy that we didn't give up Taylor Horton Tucker? Even though I I, I 99% know your answer anyway, I just want to hear you say it on the record. Yeah, I really don't like the wording of that because you sounded like Shams and Woj because they tweeted that exact same way. They're like, Lakers didn't want to part with Taylor Horton Tucker for Kyle Lowry, which I'm is just good. not. Yeah, I know you, you're getting real. You're getting real <laughs> professional here. Um, but yeah, that is that's not the whole thing, right? It's also yeah. it's the giving up Dennis Schroeder because Kyle Lowry makes so much. You have to match the salaries, and we didn't have a huge trade exception, so you have to put in Dennis Schroeder, who the Lakers traded a starter. I know Danny Green has its has his faults in Laker nation, but you know, he was a starter on a finals team uh, and a first round pick for him. And then KCP was also a starter on a finals team. And then you add THT with that to get a Lowry. Who's a great player, still a great point guard, but he's 35 years old and just, you know, knock on wood doesn't happen, but let's just say LeBron and AD are out for even more extended time. You have Lowry playing with who like on this team right now built like what are we building towards and then now LeBron and AD come back they have to get play with Lowry I think all that kind of uh came into play here and I'm I was one of the people in the minority I mean I texted you I was like I do not like Mm -hmm. this trade uh so that that got proposed I was happy that that they stood stood pat with with what they have Listen, yeah, I've, I've, I've got to get the engagement up, so I'm going to I'm going to label it however I can. I'm joking, guys. You know I'm not about that. Um, I, I've been listening to Woj and Shams too much today. I think that's my biggest issue. Um, Kwame, I'll throw to you. I, I personally, I would do a um, Schroeder KCP protected first, and then whatever filler. I think he'll be Alfonso McKinney at this point. It's for Kyle Lowry, but. I'm 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 glad. I know I know you you were in the camp that you know potentially to get Lowry, you would have included Taylor Horton Tucker in in the overall deal. Um, you know, obviously the dust has settled. It's been multiple hours since the deadline, since we've had the news process. What's your feeling on the whole thing now? Because you know, I, I'm fine with us not going for Ky- not getting Kyle Lowry at this point. Yeah, I mean. When I first heard the details of the trade, um, what was on the table, what they, what was like the the pinch point of you know the trade going through and not being you know Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, for me, if this was my NBA 2K GM draft, I mean, I would have, I probably would have sent him on his way. Um, I'm not mad at it though that we didn't get it because for me, I mean, until literally yesterday, I didn't think that was even an option. So I had fully expected the team that we had just kind of being there. Drummond was the only player that I had figured would be on his, his way to LA. So I, I wasn't mad that we didn't get it. I mean, I would have been excited had it happened, but I'm not like heartbroken, devastated or anything else that it didn't happen. Um, For me, I mean, Kyle Lowry, obviously he's, you know, 35 years old. Um, 
But I did like his fit with the team simply just because he can play a little bit better off ball than Dennis, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, he can, he's he been playing off ball basically the last two seasons or so um, with Fred Van Vliet kind of manning the point guard mm-hmm. duties and him playing off ball. So I kind of liked his fit and just his ability to kind of spread the floor a little bit better than Dennis. But, I mean, is he, is he going to give you the same sort of, you know, energy and effort constantly? You don't know. Um, you there, there's a lot of ifs with Kyle Lowry. And if they both end up being rentals, I mean, which one seems more promising if you have to look to extend? So for me, I'm not really upset about it. Like I said, I would have liked it. I mean, I like Kyle Lowry as a player. I've been a fan of him for a long time, enjoy what he brings, and I think his fit would have been nice. But by no means am I devastated that it didn't happen. I'm fine with the guys we got. So it was just a fun dream for the moment. But, you know, we'll live. And I, I'm fine with staying pat. What this all stems from for me is, and I'll throw it to you, Raj. I think Dennis Schroeder's overplayed his hand in contract negotiations to the point where the Lakers don't want to give him 20 plus million. And he thought he was worth it. I don't think he is. I'm sure 95% of people also believe the same as I do. But like, if he just accepted what I assume would have been like a reasonable offer on the table, maybe in the region of 16 to 17 million. I don't think this trade would have even been like on the table, right? Like there wouldn't have been any talk about Kyle Lowry coming. So I want to just divert it a little bit to Schroeder before we move on. Like, do you, do you, do you see a deal getting done for Dennis now? Because obviously there seems to be a big, um, big gap in the valuation between what Schroeder believes he he wants and what the Lakers believe he is worth. So I'll throw that to you. Yeah, just really quickly before we go to Schroeder, I thought it was funny. Uh, It was some confirmation that like Taylor Horton Tucker was in the same kind of realm as Tyler Hero in terms of like as as. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I mean, like seen around the league as like that same kind of a place where you kind of think that watching as a Laker fan every game, but like just to see it was cool. But with Shooter, it's tough because like the Lakers obviously have LeBron and Anthony Davis maxed out, and their whole thing is to fill out the roster um, with that. And Shooter knows the cap sheet, and he's a smart guy. He understands that the Lakers can't just if he walks, there's no replacing his money. It's it's dead. There's you can't do anything with it. So he knows they're gonna have to sign him. That's why I think a deal will get done. Um, he kept saying that something, something fair, you know, which is kind of player talk. So like I'm sure something will get done. I don't think he wants to go straight to um unrestricted free agency either. Um, so I, I think he wants to stay uh, in Los Angeles. And I feel like a deal will get done. It, it's tough. He's not playing great right now. I mean, he's not you know making a great name for himself. Uh playing alone but that was never the goal like the goal is for him to play next to LeBron and AD and they were a dominant team when he was on the floor with them so he's a 27 year old guy that I think is worth investing in now if like if THD comes up and just blows past him these next few weeks there's it's a different story but I think the Lakers traded for him for a reason I think they're going to invest in him because there's you can always trade him later but I don't I don't think you can just let him walk and I, I think Rob is too smart for that to not get something done get pen to paper somehow i agree i'll throw it to you kwam as well i i'm, I'm in agreement with raj you sign him like i i believe you sign kuzma for the same reason if nothing else mm-hmm. these are assets that you have on contracts like we've seen it with the heat they have these contracts mm-hmm. that are like for like nine to fifteen million that they can always just trade for like dudes like an oladipo or a bielitsa or or someone like that you know what, what's your opinion on that kwam yeah i'm with you guys um i believe a deal gets done at some point i mean what we gave for him, honestly, though, I mean, we didn't really give much. We gave, you know, no. Danny Green and a first, which, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm Danny Green. We all know about that experience. But um, I agree. I think Dennis is he's young enough. He is a very talented player. Where mm-hmm. Push comes to shove, you know, down the line, he could always be flipped into something else. So I definitely agree. I think a deal gets done. Obviously, the number they'll have to figure out. But I believe he'll probably, you know, his opportunity will be, you know, the rest of the season, the playoffs, all that. It just kind of gauge where the value is but i agree i don't think rob will let this opportunity slip i think it will get done it's just a matter of when and what the dollar amount is but i don't have any doubt in my mind that he will be uh extended so i mean i'm all with it is there a Come. deadline do you know like for his extension uh is it the when when the last player can be signed uh i wasn't really sure on that i i, I don't think so uh, uh i'll have to do a a check so while whilst we're talking about this next player i will check um 
yeah, yeah. some homework there. <laughs> there we go. Um, I, obviously, the other big component of this trade was Contavious Caldwell Pope. Now, we heard from basically the weekend onwards that KCP was definitely on the table pertaining to trades. Um, I think, A, that's because they do want to pay KCP, in, uh, sorry, not KCP, THT in Caruso in, this, in the offseason. So they, they see KCP as a casualty pertaining to that. And also KCP got his money finally. So credit to you, KCP, you know, our favorite convicts in the NBA. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you first, Quam. I think the writing's on the wall. I think KCP will be gone in the offseason. My only question is, does he rebuild his value enough that the Lakers get something of equal value back for him? Yeah, I think I think it's it's about that's about right. I mean... KCP's time is looking like, you know, it's kind of hitting towards the end, but um, hopefully he can kind of regain his bubble form and kind of even improve his value. But I mean, it seems like Rob fully understands that, you know, you need to retool and continue to get better. Even after winning a championship, you can't settle and, you know, kind of sit on your hands and be like, ah, I think what we got is fine. You know, he, he seems to always be in the mindset of trying to continue to improve. So I could definitely see KCP, you know, kind of being shipped off in the offseason. I think he has a, you know, a moderate contract that is tradable. And obviously, as long as he can rebuild his value even more, I mean, he could, you could sell high, you know, sell low, whatever it may be, you know, serve as a filler, fit in wherever he can. So I definitely see, I'd be surprised if he played the entire next season on this team. Like, I think I'd be very surprised, but you never know, just depending on, you know, the market and players and what goes on. But I think he's, he's um, probably the first one to be shipped out <laughs> when it's all said and done, in my opinion, but we'll have to see how he plays in the, in the, uh, the playoffs playing tournament, whatever we end up being at. Um, if he can regain KC MVP form, I think he really gets traded. But again, he's just another contract that could be flipped as an asset later, similar to Kuz and similar to what we think Dennis will be. He's yeah. like the he's like the epitome epitome of like confidence is a hell of a drug to me. Like he's like <laughs> he's exactly that. Like confident KCP is an absolute oh, just yeah. killer running to corners, shooting like clay. Like it's just an insane player when he's confident. I think I think being tired the seventy one day off season and you know he's a guy that he's got the benefit of the doubt kind of he's earned it right because when you yeah. win a championship and play as well as he did that benefit is starting to like really like he's on the last line of it I mean even the Lakers kind of I mean by throwing him onto these trade talks um, you can kind of tell that they're kind of at the end of, end with him as well so um, like I think you're right Kwame like he I think he's going to play better like he, there's no there's nowhere to go but up from this because yeah. this. This is absolutely the worst that I've seen him. Even those first few years with Luke, like this is at that level of like yeah. just total disengagement. Like it's his is he's he was like one of the best defenders for us in the bubble. And right now there's just no communication. He's getting lost. He's like doubling on screens and uh, leaving shooters open where he just wouldn't do that before. So maybe it was the trade chalks getting to them, getting to him. I don't know. We'll see tonight if he plays better. But yeah, that he was supposed to be the one where like he got that nine all star nine day all-star break and was supposed to come back and play better and it just hasn't happened so yeah we'll, we'll see but yeah you're you're right he'll probably be the odd man out this this offseason yeah i think he's approaching danny green territory like <laughs> i think you know, both him and kuzma are out, personally him and who him and kuzma mm. i think only because i think kuzma's value will never be higher i agree i think so and he's and I think he's on a favorable like his contract size is very favorable. Like if somebody can really view him as a star, I mean you're not you don't have to give up much to to go get him. So we'll see. So, it, it gives the Lakers options, and I think with a team that is um, locked into two max cap spaces, like we mentioned earlier, like you mentioned earlier, Raj, I think it's very important for the Lakers to be able to maneuver and like. Like obviously they're pressing against the hard cap this year, so that made it a bit harder, especially when mm -hmm. pertaining to deals like the Oladipo trade, which obviously the, the Heat this year aren't under the hard cap, so that made it a lot easier for them to like go a little bit over, you know, what their value was. You know, obviously they, they gave up like eighteen million in, in cap space and they took back twenty one million, so that that helped them a lot. I think the Lakers will be in a similar situation next year where they won't look to be into the hard cap, which I. I personally would be an advocate for not being because, you know, it does, as we've seen this year, having to wait until like April, like fifth to, to sign buyout guys is, is wild. Yeah, <laughs> like, tough. 
But yeah, like moving on to the buyout market before we move on to the rest of the NBA. Um, I think Andre Drummond is obviously the um, the most. Uh, what, what, how should I? I think he's the most obvious target for the Lakers. I also think he's probably the most likely. I think the Nets have like through very very smart um, media leakings and briefings, they've sort of like distanced themselves from the Andre Drummond sweepstakes, which tells you that you know that they think he's off to the Lakers. But the Knicks, you know, with their fifteen million cap space a lurking. Um, which I don't get because Mitchell Robinson's an absolute stud and Nolan's Noel's a really good backup center. Um, I like I like your look, Quam. I, you know, <laughs> Raj, I'll throw to you. Like I I I personally think that the um, that Andre Drummond will end up on the Lakers. What's your take of it as of right now? Yeah, that that's what the consensus is. I think around the league that I, I've heard from uh, Brian Windhorst and all those people who go on TV and talk about it. So they said he's coming. Um, yeah, talking about the Knicks. I mean, not just Mitchell Robinson runs well, but I mean Julius Randle is their main guy. I mean, that doesn't really fit with Andre Drummond, in my opinion. That's uh, he's a big big guy who just wants to stay in the paint. That's kind of where Randall dominates as well. So I feel like they're just putting their name out there. Um, but yeah, I think Andre Drummond will be a Laker. He fits. He'll. He's, they say he's going to get a starting spot, which I don't think he'll start over Gasol, but he'll he'll start it. I mean, we just saw with – I mean, I like Damian Jones a lot. I don't know how you guys felt about Damian Jones. I, I, I like him. I, I like him. And not just him, like his archetype, right? Like a guy who can mm-hmm. roll to the rim, who can jump more than, you know, a, a phone book off the floor. Like it's uh, it was nice to see a guy who can get off the rim and, and dunk. Even AD was not jumping this year. No. as So it was just nice to see a guy who dunks, attacks the offensive rebound, Makes people think before they shoot at the rim. I know Marcus Hall is a good rim protector, but it was just nice to see it. like guards not even attack him because they can tell that his arms are too high. Like it was just mm-hmm. nice to have that guy back, and you could tell LeBron was happy about it too before he went down. They were running law plays for him the first first play of the game every time. So uh, yeah, I think Andre Drummond will be a Laker, and I'm, I hope he can. I think he'll be a big time uh, ad. He's like twenty seven or something like twenty seven, so younger than AD. Yeah, very young guy who who's been thrown off. I see people bring up the numbers and all that. I mean, I just don't know how much I want to take from a dude playing on a Cavs team that's, you know, starting to really regress and two really young guards and Sexton and Garland. I mean, it's just a t- that's a totally different situation than playing with LeBron, AD, Gasol, et cetera. Oh, and also JaVale McGee was shooting freeze on that Cleveland team. Uh, and, you know, I think, I think it- – I think that that noise sums everything up. And Kwame's look. <laughs> Once this becomes a video podcast, I can't wait for people to see Kwame's looks. I think that they're, <laughs> they're, they're the whole star of the show. But but we'll we'll get to that. Um, yeah. So on Andre Drummond, me and Kwame have talked discussed it privately a lot. And obviously, this is you know we're opening this up. Like, to, I like Damian Jones a lot too. But to see people like say that Damian Jones is better than Andre Drummond I oh. think it's ridiculous like oh, the talent gap man the talent gap between those two is <laughs> it's, is miles large it's, it's, it's totally make, different exactly. we're talking about a former all NBA player in Andre Drummond like the people time forget like it's ridiculous I'll throw to you Quam because you know we me and you like I'm not the biggest Andre Drummond fan in the world but to actually have this like discussion where if is Damian Jones a better fit for the Lakers? As much as I like Damian Jones and I wanted us to re-sign him, by the way, so please like don't assume that I'm trying to like say that Damian Jones is trash because I think he can be good in our system. To like for him to be the stopping point for Andre Drummond for me is I I, I don't understand it. I really don't. Yeah, man. I mean, like you said, we've talked quite a bit about Andre Drummond. It, he's been criminally underrated on the twitter timeline like criminally underrated i mean i get it for a big man who's six eleven, his touch needs some polish he's not you know the greatest finisher around the rim but he does have an extremely high motor he's like arguably like his rebound rate he's one of the best rebounders in nba history like he's a fantastic player i think he's a very underrated defensive player he gets a lot of steals for being a big man he blocks an average amount of shots it's not like he he doesn't block shots he's not like Sabonis level of not blocking shots like he blocks shots um obviously he's not you know a, a Rudy Gobert or whatever the baguette bioterrorist whatever you guys want to call him but <laughs> oh <my God>. um <laughs> I think he's a phenomenal player like I and then again 
to get him for nothing, for a vet minimum coming to the Lakers, you can't beat that. To get talent at that price, there's nothing that you can ask for more of that. So I really like his fit. And like I said, we haven't seen – he hasn't played with great, great players the way he will on this Lakers team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We've seen him play on the on Pistons teams with – nobody's over there we watched him play on a rebuilding Cavs team like where he's almost had to be a featured player but you're telling me he couldn't you know find his spot you know just you know playing off the glass standing in the dunker spot you know I think he'd be fine in those scenarios we're not going to give him the ball at the wing and ask him to create an iso play like he was doing on the Cavs just messing around I think in the system and what we need from him, you can't you can't go wrong with it. And obviously, I think he'll kind of fit in the same way Dwight and JaVale did in last year's playoff run where they were used in spotted situations where it made sense. And Frank has proven he's not concerned about telling guys, you know, this series, you know, isn't for you. <laughs> and that may happen with Andre Drummond. And if he comes, I'm sure he'll understand that. And I just think it adds another versatility, another big body, a guy with a high motor. So I don't see, like, any downside to it. Like, worst case scenario, he doesn't play well, and then he probably just doesn't play. Like, that's obviously the worst thing that could happen. And don't get me wrong, Damian Jones, great player, but, I mean, Andre Drummond is a, a fantastic player, and the value, you, you can't beat it this time. So I, will, I hope he shows up. I really would like to see him on this team, and I hope he proves a lot of people wrong that, you know, we're just saying he just misses his own layups and gets the rebound 20 times. That's the only reason he averages 14 <laughs> boards. I mean, there's a reason why Damian Jones was collecting 10 days. I mean, it's just, there's no, it's not an accident, right? And He's on the he couch went, for a reason. <laughs> it, exactly. And he didn't choose to take a 10-day. I mean, let's be, let's be real here. And he that dude went 15 for 16, I believe, as a Laker. I think that was his final, yeah. like wow. 96% or something like that, playing next to LeBron James. And that the talent gap between Andre Drummond and, and Damian Jones is just absolutely massive. Um, I, I see people say, like, he puts empty stats. I mean, I just... I mean that's I such a with that. that's such yeah. a large yeah teams. yeah I mean you can I I seen someone say like twenty and twenty in their empty stats that's just not possible I mean especially oh. in just a regular game um yeah he I think he'd be fine in like such a minimized role that he'll be in I mean and the buy in you just can't not buy in on this team it's just you're cut there's there's no there's no yeah. there's no other side to this so I think he'll be fine uh, again I don't want to judge him on the Cleveland and and later Detroit where they were obviously trying to lose and they ship, they let Reggie Jackson go for nothing as well. I mean, you just look at them just shipping pieces off and then the Cleveland situation. I mean, they, they're what they're developing Jared Allen. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation for him. So I, I think he'll be great here in, uh, in the role he'll be in. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's had a 23, 20 game this year, right? Yes. The guy can play. <laughs> the guy can <laughs> like, play. Yeah. I like him. I don't think there's any, that's like, Great, like I said, his touch leaves a lot to be desired, but you're not going to find a dude with that kind of talent, energy, motor for a vet minimum at that young of an age. So, like, I don't, I don't see the downside. I mean, I get people are complaining, like, well, he's going to want the ball, and he's got, he's going to know all that before coming. Like, he's not going to come oh, yeah. in thinking he's the number one option with LeBron and Anthony Davis on the team. He's going to know where he fits. And obviously, right. like I said, we watched a buy-in happen last season where we had JaVale, who two years ago was crying about not being a starter, to not playing whole series of the playoffs, and he's an NBA champion. Andre Drummond will do what is necessary, like you said, Raj. People understand the buy-in of this team. And if you know you're down to win a championship, people will get along with it. We watched J.R. Smith conform to the team. Granted, he didn't really play. We watched Deion Waiters come and join this team. We've had some knuckleheads come in, and now they're NBA champions. I don't see what's different about Andre Drummond. Just a quick thing on Drummond. Kevin O'Connor said he expects him to sign with the Knicks. And I don't know how big of a worry that is because, you know, the Knicks are weird. Uh, It is. Like, I, I I don't get that. Like from any standpoint, why would you throw fifteen million at Andre Drummond in March? It makes no sense to me. But you know, Knicks be Knicks. Um, I I still think he ends up at the Lakers, though. I think push comes to shove. I think he does. I think I I think he can get that money on the open market, seeing as how much free space there is, especially if he excels in a role. Uh, what I see for Andre Drummond and the Lakers is being like a um, hyper Dwight like a, a better version of what Dwight Howard was last year. And that's no disrespect to Dwight, because I think Dwight was phenomenal for us. 
But having a guy who's obviously an all-star level talent at 27 years old as a buyout candidate, I think is ridiculous value. And I hope to God that the Knicks don't give him 15 mil for this. Like, obviously it's prorated, so we won't actually get the full 15 mil. But like, I hope cooler heads prevail. And he shares an agent with a one Jason Kidd and who has a very good relation with Linda Rambis as well, apparently. So I'm sure the Lakers are privy to every single discussion going on right now. And that's all I'll say on the matter before we move on to general NBA talk. Um, yeah, so trade deadlines come and pass. Obviously, we talked about Kyle Lowry. Raj and Kwame will throw to Oladipo first because I think that was, in my opinion, the best move. One way, not 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 the Rockets' way. Um, like <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to like just shit on the, on the Rockets the, the whole time. Well, holy will. crap! Will. What 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 yeah. a horrible horrible organization they are! Uh, like my I, practice. I, I honestly can't believe that the James Harden trade has turned out to be less than what New Orleans got for Drew Holiday. In essence, it's ridiculous. It, like. I, I honestly cannot believe this is what the Rockets turned James Harden into when Ben Simmons was right there and multiple first round picks. Yeah, even not Ben Simmons, just take Karis LeVert, take, you know, Jared Allen, take. They got nothing out of it. I said at the time that the trade was awful and I saw all the talking heads say, well, give it a chance. They got Oladipo. And nah, they never got Oladipo. That dude was never staying there. We can go on and. Take a crab, like you said, Alan, on 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 Houston all day, but you know we'll we'll move on. They, they they're not an NBA franchise right now, no. in my opinion. They are they are operating as a team that's just selling off pieces so that for for Tita can have a little bit cheaper pocket. I mean that's that's what's going on in Houston, and it's sad that uh you know guys like John Wall and all that Christian Wood is a good player. They're just there's just no chance to succeed really in that good. situation. Yeah, that that's going on right now in Houston. Quam, I, I see, I see you chomping at the bit, bro. This what happened. What's gone down in Houston this entire season has been an absolute like garbage fest of nonsense. We watched James Harden parade his way to get exactly where he wanted to go. We watched them. We watched this team sell off one of the best players of our generation for literal crumbs. And then what could have got a fit, a pretty decent return. Obviously you, you never get the perfect trade for a superstar, but literally decided to take back the worst possible assets to then again, flip the assets for worse assets yet again. So in culmination, all they really got out of um, James Harden was Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and some picks like, I, I promise you that is the worst trade I've ever heard for an NBA superstar in my entire life. If anybody can think of a, a, a one that beats that, please let me know. Because up until that point, to me, the Kawhi Leonard trade was the worst trade I'd ever seen for a superstar. This beats it by a mile. You didn't even get a kind of star caliber player. You got nothing. You got role players. You got one dude that hasn't cracked the rotation in like two years. And then you got, you know, the, the Gonzaga star Kelly Olynyk. like whatever. I, I can't understand it, but hey, shout out to Pat Riley. Shout out to the Miami Heat fans because they have a guy who continually holds people up at gunpoint at trade deadlines and somehow pulls off deals that he had no business getting through. Like, And he got it without having to give up Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero or any of their young players. He gave up a dude that hasn't played for them like at all this season. And I guess a starter for them, but whatever. They don't. They didn't need Kelly Olynyk anymore, and they get a an All Star caliber player who's starting to round out into form, starting to look healthy. Wowzers! Like, I, what's going on over there? Before before I throw it to you, Raj, let me just say the Heat's rotation under the assumption that Lamarcus Aldridge is signing there. By the way, because I think which we he is, that, yeah, which, which he, he is. absolutely is. I think so. so, so your starting five will be um, Kendrick Nunn, uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, whoever they decide to start out of like Ariza, Iguodala, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. So let, let's just say it's Duncan Robinson for the purposes of this. Then they will go with Bam Adebayo. And then last but not least, it will be someone like a, well, they, they start like Gabe Vincent and stuff. So like with Miami, it literally doesn't matter who they start, right? Like, Clearly. and then like, mm -hmm. 
you, you look at their depth and you haven't mentioned like Precious Achua, who I really like as a young player, really brings a ton of energy for him. Then you'll have Lamarcus Aldridge. Then you'll probably have like Iguodala, one of Hero or Ariza coming off the bench. And then like Dragic hasn't played tonight. Jimmy Butler hasn't played tonight. Like you look at their team and it's like, this is, in my opinion, the only team that can beat Brooklyn in the East. They they are perfectly built with Eric Spolstra's coaching to at least make Brooklyn go all the way to seven games. And and I I don't know why people are so down on Miami this year. It makes no sense because they went through the whole 70-day thing that we did as well. I think people forget that. Raj, I'll throw to you. And COVID, shout out to Avery Bradley, you know, leaving the best COVID situation in the NBA. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Raj, I'll throw it to you. Um, what do you make of Miami in general? And they got Bielitsa as well. I forgot about Bielitsa. He he's there now as well. Unbelievable job by Pat Riley again. Um, <clears throat> by far my favorite deadline move, and that's with Denver doing a really good day as well. Yeah, they're one of the teams that they get brought up sometimes, but they they really take advantage of their market, right? They're able to really use that. Um, people love to come and play in Miami, and it's not hard to get people to go there. Um, and then they're able to, like, pull out veterans. Andre Iguodala was a huge pickup for them last year. And you have a superstar like Jimmy Butler that kind of can work all around it, and I just love their roster. I think Bam is um, even better than people think. Uh, he's, he was a major part problem in the playoffs last year, um, again, especially against a team like Boston. And um, they spread you around. They have a very – I remember Volgo talked about it. They have a very Warrior-style offense, but you don't really think about it like that because they have shooters just flying around and coming off screens. And when you mix in the vets like Iguodala, Ariza, all the people they're going to be having coming off, um, and then LaMarcus Aldridge as well is another X factor for them. So, man, I just like – man, it's – when I see that they just robbed Houston of Oladipo, it's like, I mean, I don't know how much credit I can give Pat Riley for that because, like, Oladipo's market obviously wasn't great. It's just, man, mm-hmm. I feel like Houston didn't even try. Like, I, like it just, like, <laughs> you, like, you don't think someone else would have thrown up a Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley offer for Oladipo, even if it's just for half a season? I'm sure some team would have beat that i mean there's a it's a draft swap that i saw that they also got in it but i mean is houston gonna be better than miami at all in any any time coming soon so that that pick swap is negligent it doesn't even matter so basically they traded all the depot for kelly Olynyk and avery bradley and i just feel like some team would have beat that you know and that's the sad part about it but you know the depot goes to a great situation and I'm higher on him than a lot of people. Again, people tout his field goal percentage in Indiana, and I just think, you know, it's a guy coming off injury, getting his uh, getting his legs back. So they're they're loaded. They'll be they'll be ready to go. Yeah, like, and I think we're all under the assumption that one, if not both, will both get bought out by Houston as well. Avery Bradley definitely will get bought out, according to reports. So, like, if you're buying out Olinick and Bradley. So you've traded Oladipo for nothing, essentially. Like, (laughs) basically to save money off the cap because they saved three million. Such, like Raj Raj said before before we started recording for full disclosure that that Fatita should be made to sell the team. And I wholeheartedly agree because this is, like, 18 months ago, we were talking about the Houston Rockets being a title contender. And yeah. they've gone from being like a title contender with James Harden, who, however you feel about his play, is a top 10 player in the NBA at the very minimum. And Russell Westbrook, who was an all-NBA player last year. I don't care how you feel about his game. Russell Westbrook, before COVID hit, was legitimately fantastic for him. And to see it divulge into this, I, I've i never seen any type of negligence like this before. Quam, I'll, I'll let you have the final word before we move on. Honestly, like Raj said, Fertitta should be, he should literally have to stand trial for the crimes that he has committed against the National Basketball Association for the two trades that he has conducted this season for star players. This is like beyond any sort of nonsense that I've ever seen straight, as Raj said, malpractice. This is unreal. But to Miami's credit, I mean, they're they're building quite a roster over there of you know some tough guys they got bodies wings great defensive players that i think can really like you said alan challenge brooklyn you know they have you know ariza igudala 
Jimmy Butler. Like, you got championship-caliber-level defenders at all angles. You got Bam in there. Like you said, Precious Achua. You got, you know, some shooters. You know, you got Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. You add Victor Oladipo in that mix. You got Bielitsa. Then you talk, you add LaMarcus Aldridge. There's so many styles they can even play. Like, there's so many things they can do, and they're so well-coached. One of the best coaches in the league that they have in Eric Spolstra. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And, I mean, the East is going to be a bloodbath already, but I agree with you, Alan. I think they're really going to be a team that challenges um, the Brooklyn Nets. The only other team that I see, in all honesty, and honestly, if they had a different coach, I really would think even higher of them is the 76ers. But Doc Rivers keeps getting paid to not do a good job with anything. But Joel Embiid, I think, is the one person that would literally ruin the Nets, like, single-handedly. I think he could just average a 50 ball on their heads if he could really get to work um i think they have the defensive mindset i think they have the players the to, to get it done it's just can doc rivers not you know fold on himself when it matters most like he usually does so outside of that sorry this isn't a doc rivers roast session but you know, miami <laughs> actually made away like bandits i mean the guys that they sent out so they sent out who they sent out um Mohawk, they set out Mohawkless and Chris Silva, and they set out Bradley. It's like a rotational guy, I think he's all right. I agree, but I mean, whatever. You send out Avery Bradley, (laughs) Kelly Olynyk, and you do a draft swap for 2022. And what you get back is Bielitsa and Victor Oladipo. They made out like bandits, like thieves in the night. I mean, like I said, this whole the whole day was just full of drafts that had my had me scratching my head. Or sorry, uh trades that had me scratching my head, but man, did did Miami make out like bandits? So good for them. And I'm glad they were able to retool. And you know, people were down on them all season, but now you, you can't you can't, you know, underestimate them again because they are going to be a tough, tough out. Even if they don't beat you, you're gonna leave that battle, you're gonna leave that series very wounded. Those guys do not play around. Really quick, Kwame, when you were talking, I, you were like, I would trust them a lot more if they had a better coach. I honestly thought you were going to say Milwaukee, which oh, is kind of well, which is kind of funny. The East, like the coaching situation that they have over there. Um, yeah. You have, you know, uh, Mike Budenholzer, who, I mean, he's adjusted a little bit in the regular season, but I mean, we'll see how that goes in the playoffs. And then obviously Doc Rivers has his history. Um, I'm seeing Celtic fans ask for Brad Stevens' head now. Like, it's just, just crazy what's going on in wow. the East with their uh, – <laughs> with all the uh, head coaching issues that they have, Nick Nurse as well as going through his own troubles, the the Raptors are in a terrible funk. So, yeah, the East coaching is not it's not great. Eric Spolster has quite of a gap lead on on all the coaches over there. Yeah, I think he's the best coach in the NBA. To be honest with you, like very well I, could be. I, I can't like I honestly can't think of anyone better than him. Like, I, I, and then you give him a roster like this which is better than the roster last year, like, they're a threat. They're a legitimate threat. Like, there's no other way to put it. I'm going to move on to Denver because, obviously, they're in our conference, and I think I think they had a, a, a very good deadline as well. Um, mm-hmm. Trading JaVale, I think I think the price was a bit steep for JaVale, if, if I'm honest, and seeing Denver fans say that they think that Jokic and JaVale can play minutes together, I think it's hilarious. You guys, please, God, do that. Like, that that would be the best thing I've ever watched in basketball, <laughs> especially if it's against the Lakers in the playoffs. But I digress. Um, Raj, and obviously Aaron Gordon for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a first-round pick. Raj, I'll throw it to you. Um, what do you make of Denver's day? I, I think that it was very, very productive. Yeah, I thought that was a, I thought that was a steal for Denver. To be honest, um, Gary Harris was in a massive decline. Um, he was hurt a lot, not playing well, and making a lot of money. And they swapped him for Aaron Gordon, which I think is a perfect fit. I think they stole him from Portland and the Celtics, who were both trying to get him, and they just came in with a better. I think maybe R.J. Hampton's potential probably kind of took that with him, but. Yeah, I love the fit. He's a four-man that can play perfectly next to MPJ and Jokic. He's going to get a lot of cuts. Um, we'll see if he'll buy in to being that. Like, Because basically in Orlando, he was the second and third option at times, and he asked for a trade. I mean, so we'll, I mean, he's going to be that here. Obviously, it's a winning situation, but see if he buys in on defense as well. I think his, uh, his defensive potential right now is still a lot higher than what he actually is. The gap is a mm-hmm. lot higher for a guy who's been in the league this long. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, but I think they 
they got out like bandits in this trade. Uh, I, I love this move for them. They give up a first-round pick. Pretty much that's it for Aaron Gordon. And again, I'm just surprised that no one came in for with a better offer for Aaron Gordon, who signed for a whole other year next year as well. So he's not even a free agent this coming. It's not a rental at all. He signed for another year. So um, they they did a great job. Replaces Jeremy Grant, who they lost in the summer as well. So it's a, it's a perfect fit for them. Definitely. Quam, I just want to... Um... I want you to um, give your thoughts on the move as well, but I, I, I'm, I, I don't know. He's very much in the Porzingis type of, not, not, not. He's not the same player, obviously, but I, I, I love the idea of Aaron Gordon. Really athletic guy. The way his body is built is perfect to defend guys like LeBron James, especially in the playoffs. I don't see it enough to like, and granted, I, the only reason I watched Magic games sometimes was to support my guy Vucevic. So, you know, th there is that. But, you know, I didn't watch nearly enough Orlando games to actually, you know, take in just how good Aaron Gordon is. But the prevailing thought to me is like the thought of Aaron Gordon. I mean, you, I still liked, for the record, I still do this trade like 50 billion times out of 10. I don't think he's an upgrade on Jeremy Grant though, which is what I've seen a lot of people, especially media guys say that he is. And, 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 and I disagree with that. Yeah. And we talked before the show, just kind of a little bit on Aaron Gordon is I feel for me, he feels like a player that suffers from like identity crisis. He doesn't really know what he is. is he a shooter. Is he a slasher? Is he a tweener? Like, is he a three? Is he a four? Like he, he really struggles to, in, in my experience and just seeing like how he plays is just, what is he? Is he this athletic slasher or is he, you know, a, a knockdown shooter? But um, obviously he doesn't necessarily fill the role of Jeremy Grant completely, but I think for what they traded for again, and Gary Harris and RJ Hampton, a first round pick, I mean, can you get a better deal for a player of that caliber? I don't think you can. Um, and like Raja said, Gary Harris was definitely on the decline. Dude was hurt in and out. He when he played, he didn't look anything like he did, no. you know, two seasons ago. So he was getting him off, getting him shipped out was the best thing for Denver. And like I said, they the return they got was phenomenal. I don't think this makes Denver any worse in any capacity. They they no. definitely move forward. Um I think if MPJ or sorry not MPJ, if Eric Gord can buy in and play well get next to MPJ and Jokic and obviously Jamal Murray and I don't know who their other starter will be, maybe Will Barton. Will Barton. That'd be my assumption. Um, but if they can buy in, I mean that could be a switch heavy team. That's a pretty tall lineup, not the tallest, but you know it's a it's a pretty big lineup. They can be switch heavy. They they have athletic players. You know if they could just buy into a system, you know if Aaron Gordon could really you know look, I'm on the championship team. He's never played in a situation like this, and similar to like how we talked with Andre Drummond, when you're in a new scenario, like you'll adjust your play to fit if you're really about winning. So I think he could buy in and be that kind of defensive player, that long athletic player that could guard, um, you know, a Kawhi Leonard, a LeBron James, a Paul George, one of those kind of guys. So I'm, I, I think this is a really good move for Denver. I think this, they, they couldn't have done better for a team in their, you know, situation that's always kind of been packed with wings and guards and now starting to offload them and, you know, really try to build this championship caliber team. I think Aaron Gordon's huge and, I'm I'm shocked that nobody could put together a package that was better than that. I mean, they literally gave them a dude who's in the dust in Gary Harris, and I like I think R.J. Hampton has a lot of potential, but nobody could put a better package than that. Like Danny Ainge, what you doing over there? But you know, Danny Ainge whiffed on you know two of three Magic players, and he got the worst one. But you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's just, that's just my analysis, but I really do like this trade for Denver. Like you said before, Alan, I think the JaVale McGee, um, price is a little steep, but I mean, I guess they didn't really have any true rim protection. So this gives them something and obviously he'll play in spot in minutes, but overall, I like I like the, I like their, their trade deadline day. I think they did a really good job. Not as good as Miami because Miami literally robbed people, but they did a fantastic job as well to add to a team that was already doing pretty good and on the turn of being even better. Raj, I'll just throw it to you for your last thoughts. Um, what on Gordon, what, what type of play do you see him being with the Nuggets? Do you see him being a better defensive player than what he was at Orlando? Or do you see him being good enough that he can stay on the court in the playoffs, but not being like their main defensive stopper per se? 
Yeah, Kwame, I thought you put it perfectly. You said uh, identity crisis, and I feel like he should be this super athletic. I mean, no one's Draymond Green, but he should be this super athletic Draymond, like, you know, who catches off of the pick and roll and can create and attack the rim and then, you know, play defense, be switch heavy. And he's just not that right now. That's that's the idea of Aaron Gordon. Allen. I think you see the idea of him is actually a lot better than what he actually is right now. So um, I think in Denver, but again, he's going to play next to an MVP, one of the best passers to ever play the game and uh, Nikola Jokic. And uh, we'll, he's going to be moving off the ball, get easy looks, uh, but and uh, play next to MPJ, Murray. He's going to have a bunch of space to attack, but it'll be if he buys in, if he's going to be able to play that. What, he's what, now the fourth option on Denver, yeah. maybe? Like, uh, I mean, on a good day? He's on a good day, he's the fourth option. He might be the fifth that Will Barton has his, his shot going. So, like, he's not going to get attempts at that at the level that he got. I mean, even with Orlando, he was the second, third option. He was getting shots, shots up at a pretty consistent rate. I don't think he's going to get that with Denver. He's going to be... They're going to tell him to focus on defense, and we'll see if he can do that. Uh, it's tough when you just throw players who have been in bad situations for that long. I mean, we've watched it with, you know, the Lakers as well have had years of bad bad play, and it's tough when a player gets that and has to quickly, you know, adjust to winning basketball in every possession. How many Magic possessions mattered in the last few months? I mean, just like just thinking it back, I mean, those games have not really been competitive. So he's being thrown into a winning situation, and – I think he'll I think he'll fit great though with with that team. Definitely. And like moving on to the other magic moves. Um the guy that the Boston Celtics whiffed on as well before we go on to the guy that the Boston Celtics got. Nikola Vucevic. Now, I um as as Nas, our friend Nas likes to make jokes about I apparently love every white European, <laughs> which is not true. You know, Daniel Tice exists as just motherfucker. Um which, you know, I like Tice, but not, you know, he's German, so we'll, we'll miss him for now. Um, yeah, um, I want to touch on Vucevic because I think Vucevic is a criminally underrated player. Like, to be the, he is, essentially, he was the only threat that defenses cared about when they played Orlando. Um, and to average 24.8, 11.8, 24.5, 11.8 rebounds per game. 3.8 assists per game on 48% shooting and almost 41% from free. I think those are absurd numbers for any big. And to pair him with Zach Levine in the pick and roll slash pick and pop game, I love that move for Chicago. Because when we talk about ideas of players, I think they wanted Wendell Carter to be that guy. But you just got what Wendell Carter would be in like nine years time if he absolutely hit his pinnacle. Like, which I don't think Wendell Carter will hit, by the way. So I really, really love this move for Chicago. I think maybe not for this year. Next year, I think it makes them even more relevant because they can maneuver this year in the draft and whatnot and move guys like Kobe White if they have to to get extra dudes. Um, and I like Patrick Williams a lot. I think Patrick Williams is really, really good. Um, Raj, what, what, what's your take on the Vucevic move? Yeah, that was great to see uh, Chicago kind of go for a win, right? I think this is part of what the play-in tournament kind of created, right? This this idea of uh, teams not tanking as much as they as they did before, um, and they went for it. They got a really nice player, and again, it's another guy that I feel like they. I don't know why more teams didn't throw assets at this, but um, it it's great that they got him and a big man for Levine to to play two man game with and Levine's been killing all year. So he gets a, he gets an absolute co-star. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is an all-star level caliber player and Levine also made the all-star game. So you got two all-stars now on that team. I think they'll make the playoffs and um, he's a, a great offensive player. I think his defense is still uh, not where, not where average. Yeah. And I think in this, in today's league, your big man needs to be a little bit better than average, but again, but again, like you can work around that. You can sign defensive players and all that stuff. Uh, what he is offensively is this: he's a special talent, and uh, I think I think Chicago got a great player, and it's good to see them go for it and not just go full rebuild again and again, like a lot of teams go through. Quam, as our as our as our um, Chicagoan here, you know, <laughs> a, a guy from Chicago who obviously does not support the local team. Um, what what do you make of the um? I, I just like giving Quam shit. He knows that I love him really. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't support the, the, Yeah, but I feel what you're saying. What do you make of this move? And I'll throw a hypothetical at you. I agree with you, Raj. We all, full disclosure, the Magic offered essentially the same deal to the Celtics. The Celtics said no, which is hilarious. I, I, I can't believe the Celtics didn't pull the trigger on this as soon as they got win for two first and a young player, especially it being Aaron Neesmith. Like, come on. Like, oh, what, what are we doing there? <laughs> but, like, a hypothetical for you, because I think Raj makes a very good point. If LaMelo Ball doesn't get hurt, do you see Charlotte pulling a, a trade like this? Because I could, I could have absolutely seen them you know, by hiring a guy like Vucevic with LaMelo and then pushing for the playoffs? Um, well, for your Hornets question, honestly, I mean, I think it would be a very, if, if obviously if LaMelo was, you know, all right, I think that would be a fantastic trade. Do I think Michael Jordan would have made that? No. So that that's, that's about <laughs> it for my analysis. I don't think Michael Jordan would have done it. I mean, his, you know, free agent halls have never been the greatest. I mean, even just like the players he pulls. I mean, Lamelo's the best thing he's ever done for his, you know, franchise. So I'll leave it at that. I mean, Mitch Kupchak, sure, but I mean, we've seen the hey, he has. no he, Mitch, no he, Mitch Slender <laughs> on this podcast. What do you mean? He signed Mozgov and Lulov to hell. Oh, sorry, he was under the yeah. He, my bad, but you know. I'll, I'll, I'll attack Mitch with that. No anyway. Mitch slander. <laughs> it uh, worked out. <laughs> it did. Ultimately, it all worked out. Um, but for Chicago, I think this is a, a great play. I mean, Wendell Carter Jr. has not been what they thought he was going to be when they had drafted him. He's been very injury prone, and they ship him off in Otto Porter Jr.'s massive contract that they didn't even really want to begin with so and they get it a, an all-star caliber player of like you said alan a criminally underrated center an offensive mastermind a player that went from being a first option literally the only player anybody cared about in orlando was putting up you know 20 25 and 12 on their heads every night he could score he could score from all three levels he's a fantastic offensive player and really that's what the bulls needed because they were lacking uh, a score from their center position, even their power forward. They didn't really have a great one. Markinen hasn't really rounded out fully. And I, I know they were shopping him as well. Didn't get a suitor. I expect them to continue to search for a suitor for him in the off season. But I mean, for the most part, it was just Zach and Kobe, you know, shooting until they <laughs> shooting either to win the game <laughs> or lose it. So it was just the Jack and Joe's in the backcourt, but now they got a really sound offensive player. And I think this is huge for them. Um, I'm expecting playoffs. I'm expecting, you know, a lot of good things to come from this. And I mean, and he's still under contract for how many years? Did I get it? Another two after this year. Another two. I mean, I, I think anybody who knows the NBA beyond just a casual fan understands that Vucevic is a great player. And, you know, I know a lot of people have been screaming free him from Orlando for a long time. I think this move is fantastic for the Bulls. The Bulls have been in purgatory for so long and can't seem to get any free agents. You know, they, they've they been ha hanging on to Zach Levine. You know, there was talks about shopping him. But I think this two-man duo, while, you know, Two men don't necessarily get it done. I think this is exciting for the city, exciting for the team. I think it's exciting for Vucevic. I think it's exciting for Levine. I think this is a, a good turntable of this new management the Bulls have. I think Billy Donovan's a great coach. So I'm expecting big things from the Bulls. I love this trade, everything about it from the Chicago side. Obviously, Orlando was just in a fire sale, and Danny Ainge fumbled the bag yet again. Like, that guy's a <laughs> fraud at this point. But, hey. I'm happy for it. I'm happy for Vucevic. I'm really excited to see him play with this Bulls team. I think they'll be a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know if he really helps them guard anybody. I mean, whatever. But, hey, at least <laughs> it'll be fun. If nothing else, it'll be fun, and I expect them to, you know, be a, a contender this East. Well, not a championship contender, but a contender for the playing tournament and, you know, have some fun in the playoffs as well. Yeah. And just to touch on a move that directly impacts both Boston and Chicago. Daniel Tice was traded there, who I think is a, a perfectly fine for, especially when you don't have him guarding fives. Yeah. So having Vucevic to guard fives instead of, you know, Daniel Tice will help a lot. Um, yeah. Let's move over to Boston before we round up because I'm very cognizant of the time and the Lakers start playing in like 10 minutes. So <laughs> I want to round up as quickly as possible. But like with Boston... 
they made a move to make a move sake, in my opinion, because I think there was pressure from their fans to make a move because, you know, this almost age thing is, like, very, very real now. And the Boston fans have talked themselves into, like, Evan Fournier being, like, um, the next Jesus coming to Earth moment. Like, honestly, I searched it up. that They, they really believe Fournier is, like, some... He's a better version of Gordon Haywood, is what I heard some fans say, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like, hmm. what 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 the hell are we doing? Um, is it me, or or, a, or or is every Boston ownership really, really cheap? Like, we saw with the Red Sox, you know, no disrespect to LeBron, by the way, I know he owns part of the Red Sox now. We saw the Red Sox, they moved off Mookie Betts, you know, for nothing, and the Dodgers won a World Series, so thank you for that, Boston. And now they moved off Weiss for uh, Tice for for Wagner, which is a perfect fit in Boston. Like you know, let's call a spade a spade. Having a MAGA dude in Boston territory is, is great for him. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> Raj, what did you make of Boston's moves before we round off? And obviously, I'll throw it to Quam as well. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that Evan Fournier does anything for their issues. I mean, when you watch the Celtics play, they they don't get to the I mean, there's those chemistry issues and there's jokes about Brad Stevens. You know, he he uh, coaches through an Excel spreadsheet. There's all those kind of jokes <laughs> that, that come out. But I mean, when you I mean, but when you watch them, like they don't get to the rim. They don't get easy baskets. They take fadeaway jumpers. That's their offense. It's very Clipper-esque kind of, but they're like Clippers uh, East. Um, but yeah, Evan Fournier doesn't do any of that either, especially in the playoffs when it matters. He's going to come off their bench. Um, yeah, I just felt like it was a... It was a lateral move, in my opinion. I mean, Danny Ainge gave up two seconds, and, you know, all the people went crazy. Like, oh, my God, he gave up two seconds uh, for, you know, Evan Fournier. So I, I don't know what that does. The Daniel Tice thing is just really shocking Wait. to me that, that they just – I know it was to save money, but, I mean, like I was listening. I think Jackie McMullen was like, oh, when they have when they have their five on the court, Kemba, Tatum, uh, Brown, uh, Smart, and then uh, Tice, they're, like, really good. You know, and she was trying to say that that five hasn't really played together, and they just shipped off a really good good player in that uh, for nothing. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know if they're rebuilding. I don't know if they're trying to win. Um, and in my opinion, if you're doing both, you're doing neither. Like in in the NBA, if you're doing both, That's you're enough. doing neither. And they have they got the two stars, and that that team just looks like they hate each other every other year. It's just something weird going on over there and i i don't even know if it's basketball related really kemba smiling down 25 it's just a it's just a really weird situation going going on in boston and i don't think their moves anything um to to change their situation right now they're the eighth seed the two games under 500 i mean the the bulls the bulls like we just talked about are 10th and they're the bulls are four games back of the four seed which is kind of which is kind of impressive so the eastern conference is crazy boston might miss the playoffs you don't, we don't know. But, yeah, I don't think their moves did, did much today, and I think they might even hurt their team because I think taking Tice out for Wagner really hurts their, their team. They're relying on Tristan Thompson now to be the to be their five full-time, which I just don't think is uh, workable in 2021. Yeah, it's I don't know what they're doing, man. It's, a, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you 100%, Raj. I don't understand the move. I don't think it does anything necessarily beneficial for them. I don't think it moves the needle for them, whatever. I don't think it saves their season to any capacity. But this team has a lot of roster issues, like, all mm-hmm. over the place. Kemba Walker, I'm sorry, he is with it. It's playoff time he turns into a dud i mean he can't guard a chair he's a brick artist like it's just not good for him you know brown and tatum yes they're two stars you know they're they're great players but you can't expect those guys to carry you forever brad brad stevens has lost the you know he's the young coach figuring out card like you got to throw that out it's winning time man you've been here too long but it's time to see results tristan thompson i don't know who they thought they signed but he's not the guy <laughs> that was on that 2016 championship team he is a shell of himself um Marcus Smart obviously has been injured. I mean, he's a good player as well, but the, the team just has a lot of roster issues and they can't play like in very many different ways. Like they don't have a lot of versatility to their team at all. It's basically like if Brown and Tatum don't carry you, they're going to lose. So I don't think Ev- I mean Evan Fournier could obviously, you know, he's a he's a pretty good scorer, but I mean they they that team can't guard a chair and he doesn't help them guard anybody either. So I don't think this really does anything. They'll hit a couple more threes a game, so cool, you know. But this doesn't do anything for me. I think losing Tice 
hurts some of the rim protection. Wagner's not the same rim protector. I mean, obviously, Tice is undersized, big, but I think when they played their small ball lineup, like you said, Raj, that was a really good lineup when they did get to play it. Obviously, there's some players in the East, like, you're not running that that against the Sixers. He's going to get worked out by Joel Embiid. It didn't work well against Miami because Bam was absolutely slaughtering that man. But could that have worked against a Brooklyn that doesn't really play with the true five? Maybe. But now you look, you send him on his way, and now it's, you know, I don't know if Wagner fills that hole. So for me, I just don't like, I don't really like the moves. It's whatever. I mean, good for them. I mean, I guess if it'll help, you know, Boston fans think that they're going to do something. But, I mean, we've seen Evan Fournier in the playoffs, and that guy is bad. Like we watched him play against, we watched him play against the, the Bucks, even just last year, the bubble, they, he was garbo. So I don't know what they're expecting of him. I don't know what his role is going to be besides what he's always done, just, you know, shoot the damn ball when he gets it. But this doesn't do anything for me. I don't 